So when I'm, sometimes when I'm driving or I'm at home and I want to listen to music, uh, lately I've been listening to a lot of music from back in China. So I'll listen to Chinese music or I'll listen to Korean music. Uh, Father Martin likes to make fun of me. He says I listen to K-pop. I said, I don't listen to K-pop. It's not Korean pop music. It's Korean music. It's different from K-pop music. Uh, so I don't listen to K-pop. Let's get that straight. But uh, I do like to listen to music, of course, especially when driving. And lately, I've, sometimes I listen to uh, uh, classical music when driving. Classical music is supposed to make you calm and help your mind. So sometimes I'll do that. Uh, listening to music reminded me of a story of the great composer uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. Now Bach, of course, is one of the great musicians, uh, the great composers in history. Uh, he lived in the late 1600s, early 1700s. And Bach, obviously composing all of his music, but he also had a, a day job. He had a job to make money. And his job was that he was in charge of the music for his church. He was the choir director and he played the organ at masses and at services and this kind of thing. Uh, and one day there was somebody in his choir, a man whose name was a Christoph, Christoph Wolf. He stole, well we should say borrow, he borrowed one of Bach's pieces of music that he had written, one of his scores. Now Bach, like a lot of these classical composers were very, very protective of their music. So when he discovered that somebody had borrowed one of his pieces of music, he was furious and he went in front of his choir and he said, who, who took my music? Who took my music? And this young man, this Christoph, raised his hand and said, I, I borrowed it, sir. I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to take it home to practice the notes, but I'll bring it back to you next week at, 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 at Mass. And so he, Bach said, well, you better bring it back to me. So the next week came, and just before the service was getting started, Bach said, okay, where's my score back? Where's my, my notes back? And he forgot. He said, I'm sorry, I left it at home. I, I'll, I'll give it to you next time, I promise, I swear. Well, he was furious. Bach was really, really angry. And during that mass, as he's playing the organ and playing the music, he was thinking, as soon as this service is over, I'm going to fire him. I'm going to kick him out of the choir. Uh, he's never, I'm never going to talk to him again. I'm, I'm going to be angry. And during that service, the same gospel that we just heard a few minutes ago was the same gospel from that day. It was the story, Jesus' story, about the man who, despite his own debt being forgiven, he refused to forgive somebody else. And that really touched Bach during the mass, uh, during the service. And so at the end, rather than being furious and yelling at the young man and firing him and all of this, he said, all right, just promise you'll bring it to me next time. I forgive you. And the next time he did bring it back and everything was good. So this story about Bach, sort of his, his heart being changed, by this gospel story isn't something new. I mean, this story, this, this gospel has been helping people's hearts, opening their hearts for 2,000 years. And there's stories of people all over who have really taken Jesus' words to heart. This idea about forgiving others lest we not be forgiven, right? So in that story, in that parable, Jesus is talking about this man who he goes to somebody he owes money to, right? And it says that he owes a lot of money. He owes a huge amount of money, and that debt is forgiven him. 
Actually, now in the original translation, the original Greek, it says that he owes, and it said it's written, he owes 10,000 myriads. That's how much money he owes. Well, 10,000 is the biggest number that the Greeks had and used for counting at the time. 10,000 is the biggest number that there was. And a myriad is the biggest amount of money that existed. So Jesus is not just saying, oh, he owes a little bit of money. He's saying he owes 10,000 myriads, the biggest amount you could think of. So it's kind of like in English, Jesus is kind of saying he owed, he owed a bajillion dollars, right? And it was forgiven him. He owes a kajillion bajillion dollars and it was forgiven to him. Then this other man came to him who owed just about 60 talents, which wasn't very much money, maybe a couple months of salary. And he refused to forgive it to this other man. So you see what Jesus is doing. He's making a big distinction, right? Here's somebody who owed, you know, a jillion, bajillion, kajillion dollars, and it's forgiven. And then somebody who owes a couple dollars, and he refuses to forgive those. Jesus does this a lot. He does this a lot in his parables. He uses big, exaggerated language, right? Because he really wants to make a point. He wants to make the point that, Jesus, that God's mercy is without bounds, that he's always willing to forgive us no matter what, no matter how many bajillion, kajillion sins we make, God is willing to forgive us. And all we're called to do is just what we can do, is called just to forgive a little bit. If our faith was just that small, right? then we will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. At the same time, what we see in all of these stories, in Jesus' parables and his stories, is that it's usually the person who does something wrong, but then they admit that they did something wrong. They're the ones who end up right. The ones who did something wrong, but they're honest about it, are the ones who end up being right. So we see the man, he owed a lot of money, but he went to the master and said, I'm sorry, I can't pay you back. Because he was open and he was honest with himself, the master forgave him. It's just like when you hear, you know, the, the prodigal son story, right? The son takes his father's money and he goes off and spends it on all of these different things. He does something wrong, but he comes back and he says, I'm sorry, you know, I, I messed up. I lost all your money. Please forgive me. And the father forgives him. So what is Jesus trying to tell us then? If the person who's wrong but owns up to it ends up being right, what does that mean for us and what does that mean for forgiveness? Well, you know, I think this is the thing. When we're, somebody does something wrong to us, right? When somebody harms us or when somebody makes us mad, it can be anything from, you know, your, somebody in your family, they're not pulling their weight, taking care of your parents, uh, it can be somebody at work said something bad about you and it really makes you upset. It can be you turn on the TV and there's that politician you really don't like and it gets you really, really angry and frustrated. When we forgive somebody else, remember, forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person, okay? Sometimes other people, they really do bad things. They really are in the wrong. When we say, I forgive you, right? It, we're not saying, okay, what you did is all right. I, I forgive you. Just keep on sinning. Keep on doing that bad thing. That's okay. That's not what forgiveness is about. We forgive others not because it's okay what they're doing. We forgive others for us. It's for ourselves, right? When we're angry at somebody or we hold some grudge against somebody, we're constantly thinking about them. We're, we're letting them infiltrate our thoughts and our minds. 
they're probably not even thinking about us. They're probably off going, living their lives, right? And we're sitting here stewing over them, thinking about all the things they did to us. You know, we're let it, letting them live in our heads. We're letting them live in our minds for free, right? They don't even have to pay rent. We let them live in our minds for free. Forgiveness is about letting that go. Forgiveness is about saying, I'm too busy. I have enough things in my life. I have a relationship with God and the people I love. That's what I need to focus on. I forgive you because my relationship with other people, my life, my love, this is more important than these small problems. See, this is the thing is when somebody does something wrong to us, right, and we, we don't really want to forgive them because we're afraid it's going to hurt our own self-image, right? Well, if I say it's okay, then what happens the next time somebody does something wrong to me? It means I'm, you know, it means I'm okay with this. And so what am I? I'm not important. You know, I'm just a schmuck, whatever. And, it, and it, it's a hit to our own ego. It's a hit to our own self-esteem. And this ego, this high sense of self, this holier-than-thou sense of self is what Jesus is trying to get at. He's what tr Jesus is trying to get us to put aside and to put away. Because when we put this false sense of self up, this I'm better than you, I'm, I know more than you, I do so much work and you do nothing, when we put this sort of sense of self up in front, we're hiding who we truly are, which is a person who is flawed, a person who makes mistakes, which is a person who's in need of love, right? I look back at my own life and I realize, you know, how much time and effort, especially in my past, I used to put into really being perfect. I was very, very much a perfectionist. I wanted everything to be perfect, everything to be right, everything to be in order. And I think there was something in my mind that was convincing me, you know, if, if I'm perfect, if I never make any mistakes, if everything is perfectly arranged and I have all the answers, then people are going to like me. They're going to want to be my friend because I'm the one with all the answers. And what I realized, ironically, was that the harder and harder I tried to be perfect and put up this front, rather than drawing people toward me, I was pushing people away, right? Think about who you like to be around. Who are the people you enjoy their company of? Do you like being around somebody who's, you know, Mr. or Miss Perfect, who's always criticizing and saying, this is wrong, this is right, you can't do this, you shouldn't do this? Or would you rather be around the person who says, hey, you know what, I, I'm not sure how to handle this, I need your help. Or, hey, I'm sorry I messed up, can you, you know, help me out with this? We'd much rather be around that person, the humble person, the person who's open, and the person who's honest. And so that's the call today. It's from Jesus. It's the call to put aside that self that needs to protect itself, that's refusing to forgive others because it's a hurt to my own self. No, Jesus is saying, forgive and put that out of your mind. Allow yourselves to be open and vulnerable, and then you'll be loved, right? It, it sounds so, so simple, but it's true. If you want to be loved, you have to make yourself a person who's deserving of love, who's worthy of love. We're all deserving and worthy of love, but if you want to be loved, make yourself a person who's loving, right? Then people will come and they'll love you. When we encounter these situations or these people in our lives, and I think really this is the most important. If you forget everything, at least just remember this part. Remember that God will put difficult situations in our lives on purpose. God will put those people in our lives who make us angry. God will even make us see our enemies. He'll do that on purpose because he wants to teach us something. You know, if you turn on the TV and the first thing you see on there is that politician you really don't like, God put that person in front of you on that TV for a reason. 
It's because he wants to give you the opportunity to be able to forgive, to forget, to lose, to remove that barrier that's blocking you from being your true self. So really keep that in mind, I think, the next time when somebody makes you angry, when, like I say, you, you, you think about that sibling of yours who's really making you frustrated, or when that car cuts in front of you on the Popka Vineland over here, right? I'm speaking from experience, right? When, when that happens to you and the first thing you want to do is yell and scream and complain and be angry, remember, God put that person in front of you for a reason. He wants you to have an opportunity to practice forgiveness, to drop the sense of self that says, I know better, because once you shed that and drop that persona, which is the Greek word for what it is, a face mask, a persona, when you drop that persona, then you're open up, then you're honest, you're who you truly are, a person open and available to receive God's love and God's grace, okay? So that's what forgiveness is about. It's about becoming our true selves, having an open heart so that we can receive the love that God is always offering for us, okay? Does that kind of make sense? Yes? All right, good. So let's keep praying for each other. Let's especially pray for those who are undergoing suffering, those who are angry at somebody else. Remember, forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for yourself. Once we learn to forgive, we find our hearts open, our minds open, our bodies open to receive the grace and the love that God is always offering for us. And that's what our goal is as Catholics, as people of God. Okay? Let's keep praying for each other and especially pray for our world, that it can heal in forgiveness, heal all division, come to know and come to receive that love and forgiveness God is always offering us. Okay? Amen.